G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The driver's seat. It's Redemption Day for Daniel Ricciardo. He wins the Monaco Grand Prix. The Drivers' Seat with Matt McKeldin and Stephen Johnson. For Kubota, together we are building Australia. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. My name is Nims, as all. We are marching our way to the pointy end of the All-Star E-Series. This is the driver's seat. We do it across Australia for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. And remember, you can rev up your smartphone with the driver's seat app and listen to the driver's seat live every Wednesday night. Uh, and tune in with Matt and Steve from 7pm to 9pm Eastern Standard Time as the lads cover everything that happens in the BP Supercars All-Star E-Series as it happens. Uh, now... Brazil and Phillip Island played host the E-Series this week. And before we get into the latest headlines, we thought we'd have a look at the newest member of the grid. He's the winner of the BP Ultimate Wildcard competition, Forzen El Nabi. We've got an interesting thing tonight, and I reckon we could have a different winner. I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen's been ruling the roost on this, but he's got a bit of a challenge uh, from a guy called El Nabi tonight, Stevie J. Forzan. Forzan El Nabi. He's, uh, he's the BP Ultimate uh, winner to basically be the wild card this, uh, tonight, this evening. And very cool, very cool to for BP to be able to Make that happen, obviously, with supercars uh, and obviously Fox to uh, to push that and and just you know it'd be a it's a lifelong dream for him. He's a he's a New Zealander born uh, young fella lives in Victoria at the moment and has been profe- or not, I wouldn't say professionally, but he's been racing for five years. Yeah, uh, you know, on simulators, but he is basically a pro sim racer right now. Uh, he's won a lot of championships around the world, uh, quite. Uh, big championships, so yep. it's going to be very, very interesting to see how he goes tonight. I know he's fast. I know he's. I don't want to be a spoiler alert, but he's on pole position for race two at Phillip Island tonight. I'm not sure how he's uh, qualified at Interlagos uh, in Brazil for race one, but I'm sure he won there in one of his previous championships, and I think he's going to be he's going to be fast. Yeah, and, I mean, you'd have to think he's got lap speed, obviously, because he's he's P1, but. Uh, it's it's racecraft. Can he get the racecraft right? But if he's won championships on other championships around the world, he's clearly very talented at what he does. And I think mm. any day you get you get a lap quicker than Shane Van Gisbergen on a sim, you're having a good day. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be sensational to see uh, to see where he can go. We actually spoke about this, and I think we actually got a text from uh, some listeners. And by the way, you can still text us, 0433981116 on the Speckle text machine or call us 1300 736 736. This was actually a suggestion from one of our listeners about four weeks ago. Why don't we put amateurs in against the drivers? Good to see it happen. I don't know about I don't know about amateurs. I mean, this I think is, you know what I mean. Non, 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 yeah, yeah, non-supercar non, drivers. Non-names. Yeah, non-names. Yeah, yeah, non non, non, non-professional drivers. Lucky he's got a race suit on. 
In case you're sin bursting into his flames. race suit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now listen, that'd uh, be a thrill. Wearing a race suit. Absolutely. And it looks yeah. like it's been, you know, obviously supplied by BP and, yeah. and Supercar. So fantastic. Now we're back at Phillip Island. That was uh, by choice from the fans yes. uh, for race one tonight. Tell us about uh, Interlagos. I was going to say, before we get to Interlagos, I, th- I think this is, it's quite bizarre that we're going back to Phillip Island, considering that uh, pretty much no one wants to go to Phillip Island. No, I wouldn't say wants to go, but supercars aren't going to Phillip Island this year. So mm. it's very bizarre how we're now at a track that we're, racing at twice for the E-Series, but we're not racing at at all in the main game. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, but Interlagos, uh, very, very famous track. Obviously was uh, Ayrton Senna's, the late Ayrton Senna's home track yep. um, and had some amazing Formula One races there. It is a very cool track. It's not very long, but it, it was at the forefront only a few years ago of uh, Max Verstappen had a massive battle there. Uh, I think uh, it was Pierre Gasly's, first ever podium in Formula 1 there last year. Uh, so very, very cool track and a tricky track. A lot of braking while you're turning. So it's going to cause a lot of drama for the drivers. And one the of the drivers. few tracks, Formula 1, from a Formula 1 perspective, that actually go, what would you call that, anti-clockwise. Most of the yes. Formula 1 tracks are clockwise and Interlagos is an inter, is a is a anti-clockwise. So when we're talking Formula 1 terms, you see a lot of the guys get very tired in the necks because they're just not used to going that way. So, But it's but, a great circuit. But also, r- remember back, uh, and this was the place that uh, Lewis Hamilton ironically won his first world championship. It used to be the last round of the season. I'm not sure if it still is, maybe there or not. But, um, no, Abu Dhabi. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Like, it was wet. Literally, uh, there was to and fro between, I think, Rubens Barrichello yep. and, and Lewis Hamilton. And then Lewis ended up passing one car on the last lap, which actually gave him the win where uh, Ferrari was, was actually cheering the uh, Massa one. And, uh, you know, that must be – oh, that would be gut-wrenching, thinking that, you you know, you just won the grand final in football and all of a sudden then someone's just kicked a field goal <laughs> and you've already got the champagne half open. I also remember Mark Webber having a huge accident there in his Porsche hybrid. Someone came basically straight through the door at a gazillion miles an hour and they yep. needed to cut him out of the car. So it's a, it's a circuit that produces great racing. It, it's had some serious shunts, lots of drama, crowds very, very close to the edge of the circuits, it, especially when we do Formula One there. It's a, a, it's a bit of a uh, carnival feel. It's, it's a great place. All right, on the show tonight, we're going to – a driver's seat goes iRacing classic moment. We're going to go back to 2016 this year, boys – this week, I should say – and it was a podium battle. We're going to get to that before 8 o'clock. Yeah. Van Gisbergen, Courtney and McLaughlin. That's coming up. Uh, Mark Braid, the CEO of ARG, is uh, coming on the show after 8 o'clock tonight. Maddie? Yeah, big, which all, yep. big, big announcements this week for the ARG group. And where Stevie and I will be racing for the rest of the year. And uh, my calendar is certainly pretty good. So uh, looking forward to speaking to him. Erebus Motorsport has launched a new automotive service business. Uh, in parallel to its supercars team dubbed Erebus Garage. Have you heard about this? I, I, I only saw it on Facebook today. Really and, fascinating. I mean, I think it's it's a natural thing. A lot of places are typically like car service places but then have a little motorsport arm. But these yep. guys are obviously giants in motorsport. But – uh, making their business open to anyone now. If you've got a hot rod or a, you know, an HSV or an FPV or whatever, you can go in and get it all, uh, get it all smartened up. This is the driver's seat for Kubota, building Australia. This is the driver's seat for Kubota, building Australia. 
Welcome back to The Driver's Seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, and together we are building Australia. Right now, it's time for our feature interview for IMAR Insurance, the tradies mate. Call 13 IMAR and three-time Supercars champion and seven-time Bathurst winner Craig Lowndes. Join Matt and Steve for a quick chat. Yeah, how you going, guys? It's uh, yeah, it's quite amazing to see that uh, that the whole virtual reality world has now come alive, and it's great to see the drivers <laughs> back behind the wheel, but uh, in a different different format. Hey, mate. Um, obviously, the the announcements of the the rest of the year, the calendar, obviously pushing into twenty twenty one. You know, was that something that you had expected? I mean, is that the sort of calendar that you... I mean, no, none of us really knew what was going to go go on and, and what was going to finish the rest of this, you know, 2020 championship off. Is that something that you thought was going to happen? Uh, well, to be honest, Steve, I think that, uh, you know, as you said, like we weren't sure what was going to happen in the sense of the format, how many races actually classifies as a championship, all that side of it was going to be really interesting to see how they sort of lay it out. I know there's been a lot of talk, as you may know, that... You know the the summer series, the, the splitting of of the years. So it, it's it's interesting to see what they've done. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to just getting back on track at Sydney Motorsport Park in June and 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 basically being 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 there and actually see the cars live. So it, it's going to be really uh, interesting to see how the the rest of this season falls out and then basically what the fans like to see if they actually like that format. Um, talking to Jamie, I know that there's. Um, going to be some interesting changes in the sense of the format of, of the racing, whether it's going to be shorter races like what you and I probably grew up with, yeah. like three sort of shorter races instead of uh, two longer races, one each day. So there's a lot, lot of changes that are going to happen now, and I think it really just comes down to seeing what we can fit in in the time frame we've got. So, Craig, you had a crack at the E-Series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, give us your thoughts on that, because what I reckon as we look at the qualifying for tonight's races – Van Gisbergen, De Pasquale, Mostert, McLaughlin, all these guys that we see in the real world and getting the results there seem to have been able to apply that to the e-world as well. Uh, did you enjoy the experience? Were you going to line up and have a final crack at it or is it uh, let the sim get dusty in the corner? Yeah, well, look, look, to be honest, it's a completely different uh, feeling to be behind a wheel of a, of a sim, not having that tactile feeling of what the car does underneath you in the sense of the understeer, the oversteer, the locking up brakes you just got to go by the, what you can feel through the steering wheel, and that's really something that I've struggled with. I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of laughs. I think that uh, even the celebrity race was probably more fun because of all the, all the chat that was going on through the Zoom uh, side of it, and I think that uh, there was a lot of trash talk, and uh, I heard a lot of the other, other uh, John Stephenson and a few others all sort of uh, basically saying they're going to take me out and, and, and knowing that I'm <laughs> obviously from the real world going to cross over to this virtual world and, and be still still strong. Dan Ridden was really quick. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, but a very different side of it. I think that uh, I'd love to have another crack at it, but it, 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 as I said, it's a really different world to, to try and get that eye-hand coordination. As you said, like Shane, uh, Anton, Mostert, and uh, Scotty McLaughlin, like they live on those sims. I think there's no doubt that uh, they've got a knack of being able to transfer what they know as a race car, race track into that virtual world. It is quite different, isn't it, mate? Because you've got no feel, as in there's no G-forces. You've got to rely on, obviously, what you see. And, and let's be fair, you and I, we're, 
you know, our eyesight's probably not as good as what it was back <laughs> 20 years ago. So uh, my reactions are a bit slower. But um, it, it is different, isn't it? Like the, it's, it's. I mean, people say that it is very real in, in the feel of certain bumps and things. But to drive a uh, sim fast and, and be fast on a simulator is totally different, isn't it, to, to what you would do in the real world? Oh, 100%. I think there's no doubt about that because you don't have, as you said, you don't have that, that sort of feel of underneath you, what, you know, the sense of your bum feeling what the car's doing, yeah. uh, all that side of it. You've got to rely on the lock lights. You've got to rely on the sort of the, the vibration of the pedals or the steering. And again, I've learned a whole different world of knowing what monitor you've got. You just can't have a computer monitor. You've got to have a gaming monitor because the resolution is better than what a, game, a, a normal monitor is. And you, you've all this stuff that goes on. I know Jamie originally used the sim that i've got which is one at the workshop he didn't like it he's gone completely now out and got his own uh fresh sim with all these new components and everything else like the drivers yeah, are spending a lot of money on, on on setting them all up he's he's made like he's even made like the steering wheel looks like something that you would use in your race car and a lot of the stuff he's actually made custom to to his simulator hasn't he oh he has and i think that side of it is, is, is i think it's got some uh relevance to the real car because if you're operating a steering wheel that you have in, a, in your race car at least you know where the buttons are and everything else so that that sort of familiaration um familiarity i should get the word out um is really good i think the other thing too is like just the the, the strategy like going out doing a slow lap not burning up the tire getting the fuel load out all those sort of things um having a spotter and i think that for me was yeah. quite interesting to have a spotter in my ear which uh, for me, it was it was fantastic to have to to be able to see what goes on around you. I think the only benefit of of e racing is when you have a crash, it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> Con- control Alt Delete. That's what you can do. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting, Craig, because Jamie has gone out and got all the whiz bang sim and all of that sort of stuff, but it doesn't doesn't seem to have really helped him because in qualifying right now he's about twenty third with the uh, the young bloke who who won a BP competition. Uh, I, I'll, I, I won't attempt his name at the moment, but I will come up with it. Uh, is P one by about oh, what is well, he half, 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 half a tenth or something? Yeah. So mm. uh, he's showing the boys up at the moment. But yeah, Jamie's still struggling. He's still back at about twenty fourth position. Well, it is, and I think as, as we've spoken about, like you, when you take an element away from a race driver, which is that feeling of what the car's doing underneath you, it really does throw your mind because, as Steve said, like you've really got to believe what your eye and hand coordination is actually doing, feel what the car's doing in the sense of the steering wheel and all that, try and predict that. It's really hard. And I think that, uh, you know, when you grow up with it and you understand it as a game, uh, there's no doubt that you, you know, you're going to um, be brilliant at this side of it. But uh, as most race drivers, and I think it's been fascinating to see over the course of the e-racing that supercars have put on, who's actually got stronger. Like, you know, Chazzy Mostert has definitely got better. Um, Davey Reynolds, I spoke to him. He hated it at first, and then he's now starting to become better. And you talk about Jamie. Every time that I've got on and, and had, had a bit of fun with him, he just goes, don't you love this? Dot, 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 <laughs> dot, dot. And then, and, then he, and then he follows it up by, come Thursday morning, I just wait for the phone call from Roland. So <laughs> Roland's been ripping it into him. Oh, I bet he has. I bet he has. But it's, it, it is funny how um, – and the racing, it's different too. I mean, I think that – you know, being an, obviously an internet-based game, um, you know, I shouldn't say a game, it's actually a simulation. So um, you can 
you know, you can't just sort of rub panels and things like you do in real life because, you know, you get things like net codes where people, you can actually be up the inside of someone and they'll end up spinning out and you, ha- you actually haven't even touched each other. So it's a very different thing. And these gamers like um, El, I don't know his first name, El Nabi, who's El Nabi, who's, who's the, uh, the leader at the moment, but he's a pro sim gamer. That's a racer. And that's so he doesn't have a job. No, this is what he does. That this is, is his it. job. That oh, is his sorry. job. Don't be disrespectful, right. Jay. <laughs> that's his career, mate. So, uh, and I always said that like proper professional guys would come in. And I mean, Shane's still, I think Shane's still in the top five or ten fastest guys in the world. I mean, that's how good he is, isn't he, uh, isn't he Craig? And he's just, he just has that, that knack of, of being able to pick up so many things so quickly. Oh, 100%. I think you're right there. He, he races um, everyone anywhere around the world. He has different colour car schemes, yep. everything else that he just, he loves. He, he literally is just like, he goes under the radar in a lot of ways. That uh, He, he made on, it to the final on the World Rally Cross, in the World Rally Cross yeah. e-racing series. To the final. Beat yeah. Most it, of the it's guys. It's quite amazing. Like, like for him and Scotty and a few others that get on and do it, and, and literally they live on it. Uh, yep. it's it, like it's fascinating to see, and it's great that uh, you know you've got this wild card, which is a professional e racer that's now sort of come on. Um, you know, he, at the moment, yeah, he's still on top of the on top of the uh, timesheets. But again, then you get sort of like anything in the real world, like you learn all the tricks, like how to start, get off the line. Uh, there's a technique that, that you finally get told how to do it properly and everything yep. else. Burn the fuel off, like if you keep the pit limiter on on your outlap you burn a lot more fuel so then you can get rid of that to get a lighter car. It's just all these things, the techniques that you need to know as you go along. I'm actually going to use that as a as, as my excuse why I'm quite <laughs> average. My computer's over 10 years old, so I'm just putting it down to that my equipment my equipment's crap. Isn't that what a bad tradesman does? I can't wait yeah. to get my I reckon it's just a bad tradesman, mate. Yeah. That's all it is. I just reckon But you would do I don't trust yeah. anything you say. <laughs> Because <laughs> you put, you got to. I mean, Craig will confirm with this. You put yourself in a position where you know you're going to do well, mm. right? So these guys, they jump into the sims. They've got the skills. Off they go. Me, I am so crap. So mm. I don't even go near a sim. I don't go near a computer game <laughs> because I don't want some goon on the other side of a radio station to say. Oh, I'm blaming his tools and, you know, my sim's crap because then I just look like a bad tradesman. I think he's calling you the goon. So oh, I just don't yeah. do it. Not Lounsy, you, you Stevie J. <laughs> yeah, no, you wouldn't Listen, call Lounsy a goon, would you? No. If no. you're just tuning no. in yeah. now to SCN, you've got four old blokes talking about gaming. Isn't it fascinating? It's, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> isn't it great? But, I mean, if, if your kids came to if one yes. of your kids came to you and said, Dad, and Lounsy, yeah. you can chime in on this, if one of your kids came to you and said, Dad, I'm giving up my legal degree, and I'm going to go and play car racing games for a living. What would you say? Oh, no, I'd be trying to talk them out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make a living out of this e-racing. Well, not, not that I've seen anyway. Uh, I reckon there's only one that I know from Australia is Matt Simmons, who, who was the kid, who was the guy who won that, I think it was PlayStation, and then mm. went on to race for Nissan GTR. But I don't know what mm. Matt's doing now, but I see him all over the world playing iRacing games and all that kind of stuff. So maybe you can, but it's a different world to me. Look, I've seen it on ballers, mate. They make a lot of money out of yep. esports. Very true. Make a lot of money out yeah, of it. Yeah. Listen, maybe Lounsy... people can call us if you're uh, 
if you're making a living out of or you're doing the gaming thing full time, let us know. It's like yeah, it's like golf or it's like anything. There's a, there's a lot of people that can go and play it. There's a very select few that make a good living out of it, and it's the same with uh, with online sports. I think. All right, we better go and let Lounsey go, yeah. uh, mate. We appreciate you talking to us again on, on the driver's seat. You watching the races tonight? Oh, yeah, actually just finishing watching the qualifying at the moment. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how uh, these professional drivers go against the professional <laughs> virtual reality e-racer. And all the drivers are, like, so really happy to accept them and everything else. But in reality, they'll be screaming, kicking, and, yep. and punching oh, the door yeah. as they go out. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Craig Lowndes, better let you go, mate. Thanks for joining us again tonight on The Driver's Seat Goes iRacing. We'll catch you soon, and, and good luck for the return of supercars June 27. Yeah, thanks, guys. Craig Lance from Triple Eight Race Engineering is our feature interview thanks to IMR Insurance, the tradies, mate. Call 13IMR or visit imr.com.au. This is the driver's seat across Australia for Kubota. Together, we're building Australia. This is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. Great to have your company on the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota Building Australia. And remember, throughout the BP Supercars All-Star E-Series, Matt and Steve will be live on the driver's seat app. Grab it from the App Store and Google Play. Now, the schedule for Supercars was revealed last week. And this week, the Australian Racing Group, which looks after TCR Australia, Touring Car Masters and the Trans Am Series, just to name a few, also released their calendar for 2020. And the CEO of ARG, Matt Braid, joined the guys to talk about the schedule, which begins in August. Good evening, gentlemen. Thanks very much for having me. Mate, uh, welcome and congratulations on this calendar because uh, looking at the dates, where we're going and all that kind of stuff, it, it must have been a very tricky thing to put together some, I guess, weeks, if not months in the making, I'd imagine. Yeah, I was talking to someone about it uh, yesterday as well, saying I think when we when the COVID crisis first hit, obviously we, we had to start planning ahead and sort of wondering when we we're going to go racing. And we had uh, Plan A, and I think uh, pretty much what you've seen yesterday released is about Plan uh, Plan T or S. So uh, so it's it's been pretty uh, pretty difficult to put together. Motorsport Australia have been working hand in hand with us and taking the lead on a lot of. Uh, a lot of the protocols, certainly, and obviously working on availability and, and tracks and so forth. So we're really pleased with it and uh, glad you guys are too. Um, good tracks. Um, you know, it's, it's fairly condensed. Uh, we're pretty comfortable that the timing's going to be right. That we, you know, we, it's, it's starting in August, so that we hope that everything will be a bit clearer then and we won't have to change tact at all. And then obviously finishing in, a, in something special in Tasmania, which we're really looking forward to. Yeah, I, that's that's an interesting one because I don't think of all of the scuttlebutt and rumour that was going on about where we were going to go and, and, and how we were going to go racing, that Simmons Plains was really on the radar and it, it's not only got one round on January 24th to 26th, which is Australia Day weekend, uh, there's also a non-championship race at basketball. How did all that come about with Tasmania? The government, I'd imagine, is tipping in to be able to help us get across there? Yeah, look, it's, it's come about very fast, actually. And uh, when we're still putting more details and more meat on the bone about, about the event, but as of, uh, as of pretty much late last week, that materialised and, and to become, obviously, from a, a potential to something quite realistic. And we put it to the point, put it in the calendar. And uh, Gary and Barry Rogers actually deserve a lot of credit for that because Gary, being a proud Tasmanian, and, and he loves the place and has quite a network down there. And he planted the seed for an idea. And, and uh, certainly the... the uh, motorsports Tasmania, plus obviously uh, the track guys down there, and also the government are looking at it very very closely to assist and support because it's going to be a great event across both weekends, effectively. So 
it's come about really fast, very exciting, and a lot of people behind the scenes really pushing for it to succeed. So we're looking forward to it. And round five uh, at Bathurst to Bathurst International, November 12th to 15. Take us through that because there's been some change to the TCR cars and the initial thought on what you were going to run there being an enduro. But what's, what's, how has that taken shape now? Yeah, look, unfortunately, we do have to blame COVID on that one. So, you know, our, our event, the international event, was awarded on the basis we did pitch for an international event, getting the multiple categories that we have under our portfolio and obviously bringing international teams and or drivers to participate on the mountain. Um, with Obviously, with what's going on, travel restrictions and so forth and border controls, it's very difficult, realistically, to conceive holding and you know, a truly international-flavoured racing event at the mountain. So taking that into account, plus obviously the postponement of the six-hour from Easter, we combined both, uh, both those events on a single weekend in November. The Bathurst Regional Council has been great and very supportive of that and has actually allowed us to extend the event to four days. So we're effectively putting two big, motor, two big Bathurst motorsport events on in, in that, in that four-day period. And TCR now was going to be the headline act as far as the endurance with international teams coming out and cars and drivers from, you know, we had interest from certainly Europe, Asia, New Zealand uh, to come out and race. That's now not going to happen. We decided let's make a, a, a sprint round of the championship and that will allow us to obviously save the endurance and the international component for next year when we can, obviously we're, we're hopefully clearer at that stage with, with everything that's going on. Um, but, you know, using the mountain to have a, have a great round of the TCR championship, TCR series, but also we might be lucky enough to see some wild cards appear. Maybe if, if, if restrictions do lift a bit, there could be a couple of international drivers and certainly I think we know of a couple of Kiwis who came to come across as well. So certainly not what we anticipated, but we're, you know, it's going to be a great event nonetheless. And I think having TCR cars at Bathurst, which we're looking forward to an Easter to debuting there now that I have to wait till November, but it'll be a good show. And so just as a summary, what categories will be actually running on that Bathurst weekend in November? Yeah, so obviously the six-hour production race will, will occur. That's going to be on the Saturday. So we'll have production cars. We'll also have many of the support categories from the Easter event will transfer across to the November event. We'll have TCR, obviously, in the sprint round. We'll have S5000s running. That's certain Trans Am. We've obviously got a, a special announcement coming up in the next few days about what we're going to do with Trans Am there, but the Trans Am cars and, uh, and TCM, amongst others. So it's, it's going to be a, a really full dance card that, uh, that weekend, I can assure you. So, Matty, Stevie J here. Finally, Matt McKeldon's actually shut his goal and I can actually ask you a question. Um, Sorry, I had, to, I had to get the intelligent questions out of the way and now we throw to you. Here we go, here we go. Um, mate, obviously, you know, we were actually together down at uh, the AGP when this whole uh, crisis hit. Um, and, you know, people don't realise it's not just a, a TCR thing. It's, it's the amount of categories that you guys had to try to organize it's tcr it's as you said it's s5000 it's tcm it's you know all the support categories and stuff that you guys have as well i mean it was you know in in my opinion looking at it in in hindsight it's a m- much bigger undertaking than than supercars because they're really just looking at trying to do their one category and and whatever else they can do in the in the background but you guys you know have really pushed the envelope a fair bit with all of these different categories, trying to get a calendar for, for all of them, so to speak. Yeah, you're right, Steve. And I think it is it is hard, mate. But I think we've got we're, we're 
really tried to maximise the communication with the categories during this period, and uh, we do treat them as partners. And I hope you know you've, you've been on a few calls with us, and I hope you yeah. you think the same. But we very much you know, sit down with a competitor group, work out what you know, what their thoughts are, how they're travelling, what they grab their input to what they see the calendar looking. I think you know uh, some of some of the rounds that we put forward, I think which you've subsequently seen, probably aren't a surprise to you given what those discussions were outside of obviously the Tasmanian opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very much understanding what each category would prefer. And luckily we've been able to pretty much balance that. Uh, you know, there's a couple of compromises here and there, but to, when you take into account, we've got TCRS 5000, Trans and TCM, and obviously V8 touring cars as well. Um, but in the main, uh, most of the competitor groups are very pleased with the outcome. Very pleased. So, so with, with regard to obviously starting in in august which i think is fantastic it gives everybody a lot of time to to not only organize themselves but to see where where the country is going to be at that point in time um there's obviously going to be some motorsport starting up a lot sooner than that with massive restrictions in personnel in um obviously the fan base and that sort of thing is this something that's going to be evolving for you guys over the next sort of month month and a half to see what is able to be done with regard to you know numbers at the tracks and and spectators yes or no and and uh, and pushing forward from there yeah definitely Stephen. so yeah motorsport australia have taken a lead on that and are doing a fantastic job it has to be said in this in these times obviously working with the various state governments and the uh, and the, the corresponding health authorities uh everything is changing by the day you know and, and around the world at the moment certainly in motorsport so we're watching it closely at this stage we're anticipating we will be able to go with a multitude of categories from August, which that's that's why we sort of pushed it uh, later than maybe what we could have gone racing earlier, but we didn't want to be too restrictive. Uh, where at this stage we're planning that we'll be able to get the categories that we want to have attend those events with obviously a, a, maybe a slimmed down or a, a controlled workforce per team and per car, um, and, and obviously can run the event properly. And then Touchwood, as the year progresses and the calendar progresses. We're hoping that does open up, that there obviously more people can attend and, and, and maybe towards the end of the year, hopefully some spectators as well. And, and just from my point of view as a Trans Am driver, I just wanted to say thank you for not putting Winton on the cam- on the calendar. I like Winton as a place. Uh, I, I don't mind it as a track, but for Trans Am cars, I hated it last year. So it, the fact that we've got uh, Sandown in Victoria it's there. It's not Matt's fault that you can't remember that many no. corners. <laughs> Seriously. Just, mate, uh, you, you've point. raced there. You know what it's like. I think your father said it's like running a marathon around a clothesline. Uh, I'm quite happy to be at Sandown with all of our Kubota people there too, hopefully, as well. So, on a personal note, thank you for that, Matthew. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad you're okay with it, Matt. That's amazing. <laughs> you're happy. And hopefully Steve is as well. And then we're good yeah. at too. So no, mate, just, yeah, from my point of view, obviously, before we got to wrap up, Jason, just massive thanks, you know, not only to you, but yeah. uh, to ARG and to everyone involved because, you know, we all just want to get out and go racing again, you know, uh, Trans Am, TCM with me. And, um, you know, we're just chomping at the bit to get back behind the wheel. And um, this has given us a massive light at the end of a very dark tunnel. And, uh, you know, I think that that august date can't come fast enough and i'll be crossing them off my planner every day until we get there do we need to get to the gym stevie j no yes to... i just oh. need to 
Sorry. I wasn't asking you, Jason. Do, we've got till August. Do you reckon we should shed a few kgs before oh, we get to August? That's probably probably not a bad idea for me, although I could buy a bigger seat. That's another option. We could do that. There's always a bigger seat. <laughs> so thanks, Matty. Yeah, mate, it. great job, mate. Really appreciate all you've done and uh, it's, it's wholeheartedly say what Steve said. Awesome. Very good. Well done. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your support too and uh, look forward to seeing you in August. This is the driver's seat for Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, and together we're building Australia. This is the driver's seat for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. And remember, you can listen to Matt and Steve live on a Wednesday night from 7pm to 9pm Eastern Standard Time. We do it thanks to Kubota, Building Australia, and you can hang out with the lads live during the E-Series. Just make sure you get the app. Let's get to this week's Bendix Breaks Big Moment. Now on the driver's seat, another Bendix Breaks Big Moment. Bendix, Australian technology for all-weather confident braking. If you want cleaner wheels, fit Bendix Breaks. As always, the biggest moments of the round came from the reverse grid races. Huge stack, a lot of cars involved. Safety car was deployed, which we haven't seen a lot uh, throughout the E-Series. But uh, this is the reverse grid race. Uh, we've got Andre Heimgartner, who had a shocker in race one, so he started near the front. He's up the front at the moment. Rick Kelly's up there. Uh, believe it or not, Jack Smith's just been fenced, so he's... Uh, uh, into the wall again. Uh, Chris Pith is in P4 with no rear wing. So we've got a bit of stuff going on at the minute, but uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, he's down the order in, or he's up the order, I should say, in 15th. So he's uh, come up a long, long way from 28th, I think it is. Um, Scotty Max has been in the walls. Fabian Coulthard looks like he's been in the walls. So it's uh, uh, it's all go for these reverse grid races. And we know, Jase, you love these reverse gridders. I love them. This is when it gets interesting. How's your mate Jack Smith going? I just, if you were listening to me and not looking at your phone, yeah. I did commentate and say that he was in the fence. Put your foot down with confidence. Bendix Brakes, Australian technology for all weather confident braking. Before we go, it's time to slide open the doors to the Classic Cars Corner. This is the Classic Cars Corner with Malcolm Owens for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. This is a uh, very interesting topic tonight, Malcolm. Other than Ford and GM in the modern era, what cars have won Bathurst and uh, are desirable today? Really interesting one. Yeah, well, it's a bit like Mac now. He has four or five cheeseburgers, a Big Mac, and then a man shake. So, I mean, we've got to move things around a bit and <laughs> shake it up a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> so Six no, cheeseburgers, about... get it right, Owens. <laughs> <laughs> So tonight I want to talk about Bathurst winning cars other than the well-known Monaros, Tiranas, Commodores and Falcons. Yep. So we all know about Peter's A9X, Dick's XDs and Moffat's XCs. Um, so then we had a, a long modern-day era run of Holden's and Commodores, you know, just pretty much every for, um, for months and months and years. And uh, so we had Fords and Holden's that gave us Scaife, Ingall, Ambrose, Murphy, Lowndes, of course, Stevie J. Through to ten to win cup and Scotty Max. So we've had Nissan Altimans, Mercedes E63s, Volvo S60s in the modern area, but none of them have won Bathurst. So now in 2020, we're back to GM and Ford. But what else has won Bathurst? So my question to the panel there is: What was the last non-Ford or Holden that won Bathurst, and what year was it? Um, so are we talking about the 1000 here? Because it, it you know, it changed over for a few years there. Yeah, Super BMW, Tourist. Super Tourist took it and BMW won. Uh, could that be a technicality that I might be correct on there, Malcolm? Well, you're correct. <laughs> but um, the answer is 1998, and it was Gentleman Jim Richards 
Yep. In the five-cylinder Volvo S40. I was yes. too. So, yes. Well, actually, so what happened as, there was that was that the year that uh, that uh, the Paul Morris car and Craig Baird got uh, disqualified for uh, Baird actually overdid over his driving. his driving Skint. time, mm. so uh, they actually crossed and won, but later got disqualified. That may be the case. I'm not sure about that. Yes. Anyway, you might know. A Volvo one. A Volvo one. Yeah. So anyway. So as far as classics go, there are some nice Volvos. The P1800, the Amazon, the 142S, but the 80s S40 isn't one of them. Um, Safe, secure, (laughs) two-litre front-wheel drive, four-cylinder. So pretty much not a great collectible car. Popular because we had Volvo reliability. And today... One would only cost you about three thousand bucks, so no, don't want one of those. I don't know about you boys. Um, you know, the next one you're close, um, Steve. There's a 1997 AMP Bathurst 1000, as it was then, and Jeff Brabham in the uh, BMW 320i one. Remember the, the Diet Coke Beamer that he was campaigning for a few years? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was an it was an E63. So in road going spec, it's a two liter rear wheel drive, five speed, well appointed car. They did come out in the 318 and 325s, starting to become collectible now in the coupes and the convertibles. Started around 5000 bucks, but good good buying. It's a future classic and uh, one to get the young kids into as, a, as their first classic as well, but get a manual. Mm. So that was interesting, but um, not a Bathurst winner, but the 87 black and gold JPS um, was the Ducks Nuts and collectible as peddled by Jim Richards. JPS. And they're over about twenty grand for a replica. Remember the the black and gold cigarette sponsored car yes. of the day. Yep, absolutely. And actually, it was only of recent time last year, Sandown Retro Round, where Erebus debuted their too. livery in that JPS black and gold uh, livery, which was very very cool. Yep, still looks great, doesn't it? Mm, it does. And then we went to the famous year where someone got on the podium and said, you're all a pack of assholes. Remember that one? I do. I do. Uh, hey, Jase, yeah. are you awake, mate? Yeah, language, uh, Malcolm. No, Solid right. button pusher, Nigel. Yeah, you uh, yeah, you yeah. want down the line there? Just have the <laughs> dump button ready. Yeah, that's it. Oh, Malcolm. yeah, that's it. That's and not he, bad. He... <laughs> that was, was a 1992. 1992, yeah, that was. Yeah, Nissan GTR. Yeah. GTR. Godzilla. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that was the year that Bathurst was won um, with... Um, Jim Richards and Mark Scaife after crashing out on the final lap. The race was yeah. called the previous lap. But Steve, who was in the lead when that happened? You know, who crossed the line? I can't uh, Dick Johnson won that one, mate. Dick Johnson won that one. <laughs> that's, that Dick be, Johnson that, was, was the winner over? of 1992 Bathurst. Dick Johnson and John Bauer. That was the oh. one, yeah. So yes. the um, GTR was planned and produced specifically to dominate Group 8 racing. That's why it was nicknamed Godzilla, was going to be the mountain killer. And uh, all-wheel drive, aerodynamic, six-cylinder, six-speed manual, 2.6 turbo, producing over 300 horsepower. Today, they're highly sought over in command, still 60 to 80 grand, and over 100 grand yeah, in wow. some cases. Well, I so, know, yeah, well, I still, know that, that one, of those, one of those cars, which was the Nissan Motorsport Gibson-built car, uh, which was in the Nissan colours before it went to the, the Winfield, I guess, the red and white, uh, livery there. Um, that car was restored. Not that car. Sorry, the Nissan before that was restored. So it was the the red, white, and blue yep. uh, Nissan, and uh, it was restored in Sydney and sold for a million dollars. Wow! And wow. there's a there's a there's a, a punter up here in Queensland actually that uh, 
that has every model of GTR race car produced up until and including the the GTS, sorry, GTS, the GT3 GTR currently. Stores them under his tennis court in wow. Queensland. There you go. Wow. Mm. Does Scaifey keep any of his cars, do you know? These are the bigger ones across the no. team. I don't think – actually, no. I don't think he, he – I don't think Mark ever owned his own race car apart from the laser. at the start, the laser at the start. So from what I understand, I could be wrong, but I don't believe Mark actually owned any of his cars. There you go. There you go. All right, well, we go back to 1989, and while this is technically it's a Ford, it's just a Sierra RS5000, you are talking about that a bit earlier tonight, um, that's the one that your dad and JB piloted to victory, and at the time it was considered the only car that could really take on the skyline at, at that time. So in street trim, the RS Cosworth was a very desirable car, 16-cam engine, fast performance base. The, the unique wing was quite amazing looking. It sort of sat halfway up the back of the, of the, um, the rear hatch. Um, now, I understand that I don't think they were ever sold in that livery, in that style, new in Australia, but there's still quite a few here that were uh, personal imports. So now, the, even the older race cars go for about 250 grand plus. Mm. And in Europe, the race, race going ones are still 70k Australian for the base spec. So I hope your dad kept a couple of those, Steve. Well, it would have been nice for him to actually keep those uh, those road cars, but uh, unfortunately they were moved on, and uh, I think they were moved on primarily so that he'd keep his licence, to be fair, especially the, the road car versions <laughs> that he had. There is actually still one race car sitting in the uh, in the showroom at the DJR Team Penske uh, factory in Yatla, and, uh, yeah, it's sitting there proudly for everyone to come in and look at. So very, very cool. That amongst NASCARs and a few things. So... There you go. Well, I, I know it was a Ford, you were saying, Malcolm, but very, very different style, um, obviously coming from, from England there and and uh, a car that uh, become famous very, very quickly. When you think that every other Ford was really a, um, a Falcon, um, it, was, it was quite different because it really was an import. And then there's only one more. So realistically, there, there is only um, an absolute handful of them. So we're looking at four of them. And the other one was the 84 Jaguar XJS in, uh, in 1984. It was actually um, the one in 1985 uh, with John Goss. So after many years of being um, a Ford pilot, particularly with the, the Coupes and the John Goss Special, is that an XB or an XC? Maybe an XC. XC. Um, XC hardtop? Yeah. Is it? The white with the, the green, and they did that because they couldn't sell the things. Geez, I'd love to have had one now. Yes. Uh, and that car was actually the number three car in the team. So 5.3 litre V12, very fast down Conrad, but questionable reliability to hang together to the finish. And they, they actually didn't think it was going to, but it managed to do that, and it won. So strangely enough, this car was actually the follow-on to the E-Type, but never had the um, success that the E-Type had. So... Good ones today, 40 to 50 grand. There's cheaper ones out there, but you really want to be careful with the rust and the engine condition. Um, so expensive piece of kit, uh, but no E-Type, which today you know ranges from 150 right up to um, 300,000 sort of plus. Wow. So a couple That's of a questions for you guys. Wow. Yep, go. Yeah, the big money. Um, what was the first year at Bathurst and what, it, what was it called and who won it? Because it was at Phillip Island for a few years first. Armstrong 500, moved. I think it was at Phillip Island. Or was it the Armstrong Correct. 500 at Bathurst? It might oh, have been the Hardy the... Ferrado 500. 
The first one, Party Friday 500. At Bathurst? Okay. Lock it in? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds right. I, I know that it was the Armstrong 500 at when it was at Phillip Island. Yeah. And then... Yeah, it was, it was also the Armstrong 500 the first year it went to Bathurst in 1963. <laughs> Mikel, thank so you. So you close. Thank you. So first winners, Harry Firth and Bob Jane in a Ford Cortina. Yes. Ah. And their time, they did it 7 hours and 46 minutes, and it was a 500, but it was 500 miles. Um, at the fastest time for the 1,000 was six hours, one minute and 44 seconds last year. So they're doing the 1,000 in, in the in quicker than the, the guys used to do the um, the 500, 500 miles. And Harry first nickname? Harry Hazza. The Silver Fox. Ah. All right, Malcolm. We're going to move on. That was so really good. That was really good tonight. Um, in fact, if you don't mind, just a bit of brainstorming on the air tonight, boys, before Malcolm goes. Do you mind if we incorporate into your classic cars segment next week? Thanks to those great people at Kubota. Uh, Matt's weight loss tips. Uh, here's an example of what you're here. <laughs> That'll be very sure. Oh, in all is... honesty, that's what I. That's what I'm on the man check. I, 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 okay. I love it. I think it's a great product. I love it. Right. So, would you mind if we incorporate that into the segment next week? Yes, I would. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was worth the thought. I tell you, if I don't get a bag of the man shake <laughs> delivered to the studios or a couple, I'd yeah. be very surprised. All right, we've got to go. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, thank you, uh, Malcolm. We'll catch you next week, mate. Love you coming on. No worries, guys. Right, Thanks, this... See you later on. That was the Classic Cars Corner. To Kubota. Building Australia. And that's it for this week's edition of The Driver's Seat. Thanks to Kubota. Together we're building Australia. Don't miss next week when the E-Series heads back to the ovals at the Michigan International Speedway. It's Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.